Hey guys, I'm Megan Pistetto. Welcome to another episode of So Dramatic. Coming up today, I have Married at First Sight star Cameron Dunn's ex-girlfriend coming on the show. She's going to talk about her experience dating him and let's just say it was not a pleasant one. She makes a number of shocking claims against him that are simply too wild for me to even summarize here. This interview is honestly equal parts shocking and heartbreaking. And just a few disclaimers before we get into it. Cameron's girlfriend does want to remain anonymous, so we will not be naming her during the interview. And all things discussed during this episode are allegations and she's simply sharing her experience with him. And just a content note, this episode does discuss physical and emotional abuse and may be triggering for some listeners. I do suggest skipping this episode if either of these topics are triggering for you as we do go into quite a lot of detail and if you or anyone you know needs help please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Now let's not waste any more time let's get straight into it. It is a super explosive episode. So much drama so little time let's get into the show. Do not fight amongst yourselves. Please come to me. So will you confirm or deny? At least you're honest with me. So exclusive. So I've got one of Cameron Dunn's ex-girlfriends on the phone. I'm not going to say her name because she does want to remain anonymous and we respect that. That's fine. So Cameron's the one on TV who he has the affair with Coco. He's married to Samantha and he looks like Pitbull's brother. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for chatting. No worries. Thanks for having me. So you used to date Cameron. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, he and I dated for maybe eight or nine months. What year was that? Oh, I think it was like end of 2016, maybe start of like leading into the start of 2017. And how long did you date for? Almost a year. Yeah. And then it's sort of like we were in contact for probably maybe up to another year after we had like broken up. Right. Okay. So about two years altogether you were in contact for. Yeah. And we have spoke briefly and you've told me that you didn't exactly have the best experience dating Cam. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship and what happened with you guys? Yeah, it was really like, it was pretty rough. I suppose like throughout it, like it wasn't an overly positive relationship, um, like from the get go, really. What was he like to date? Initially, like not not bad. Like, I mean, obviously there were like parts of it that were good for me to stay around when it started to go really bad. So like initially, like he was like quite charming, like the good things that you see on the show, like when he's like laughing and stuff with Coco, like that was pretty much what it was like, but it didn't take very long for him to sort of just, I guess, show his true colors. And yeah. So then the side where you see where it's very argumentative, very dismissive, um, all those sorts of traits came out pretty quickly, like probably within the sort of like two-month mark. And then from there, it only kind of got worse. So he knew how to put the charm on, basically. Oh, for sure. And like he, you in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's good at what he does. I would say that. So when it did start to go bad, what type of things started to happen? What were the alarm bells um, for you? 
like looking like obviously in at the time it was hard to see, but like looking back, like um, I started he well he was trying to isolate me a lot like from friends and family. Like he wouldn't speak very positively about my friends and family. He wouldn't like it if I even just spoke to like other males and things like that. And then it kind of just progressively got worse with like the way that he would speak. If we had a disagreement, he would put me down a lot. And then there was a few instances where I guess he just got so angry where it like, yeah, it became physical. Um, And then, yeah, it just, it wasn't an overly nice experience. So it's weird watching the show, especially when I see him like arguing like with Samantha and stuff in the way that he Mm. speaks and just like shuts off and walks off. That's hard to watch. But I mean, I'm glad she sticks up for herself. (laughs) Well, I can imagine the whole show would be hard to watch. Especially when he, yeah, is doing behaviours that are triggering for you, like with the whole controlling thing and obviously as well, like with the Coco thing too. Yeah, it's been tough because like, like it's given me like a lot of like anxiety watching it and I've had um, like a few nightmares and stuff like in the last couple of weeks. Um, But yeah, it's it's a lot harder to watch than what I thought it would be, which is kind of why Mm. I started watching it. And it was kind of like if I didn't watch it, then I think that would probably give me more anxiety because I just wouldn't know like what he's coming across like. And I think that the idea of that was a little bit scarier to me than actually having to watch it and, yeah, just see him again. Well, he leaves soon anyway, so that's some good news for you. He'll be off your screen soon. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't stay till the end. You can enjoy the rest of the season. So, yeah, I can imagine that watching him back, um, obviously I know some stuff that we're going to get into in a minute, but yeah, yeah, I can imagine it would be so triggering for you, like seeing all of that stuff that kind of, I guess, happened to you and then have it play out to someone else on screen. Yeah. And like, it's funny too, because some of the things that he says, like I've heard before, so like things about like having a family and like just whenever he's like talking about himself, essentially, is like all the stuff I've heard before, but in the context of like that's when he's trying to like be charming and like trying to build you know the sort of like that foundation with you initially before he starts to really like show who he is so like that's hard to watch because it's just like I know that that's not necessarily what's actually going on in his head and where things like would end up oh okay so you mean like when he he would say this same type of stuff to lure you in that he said to samantha for for example like i do remember he said to her he wanted to have kids and have a family and then when she said that she had kids he kind of backed off so do you think that the kids the kids card is like a way that he kind of gets women in and gets them yeah to believe that he wants to settle down or whatever yeah i don't know if like it's like a conscious um like decision for him like i don't know if he like goes out and really has like this tact to kind of like manipulate women but it's certainly like something that he does like i know i told you last time we spoke that i like had to i went and saw like a psychologist and we were talking about sort of how you get to a point where you let a lot of really toxic behaviors slide and she was kind of like yeah well it's because they start off you know telling you all the right things and it starts off well and you know they get your trust and they make you think that they're a certain type of person and then over time 
you know, they're getting what they want from you. So then that's when those bad behaviors start to come out and you it's kind of like it's too late because you're already in it and you're already like convinced that they're like not not the person that those behaviors are associated with. So it's really hard and it's very confusing. Yeah, it's, that's really weird to watch as well. And it's something that they do over time. So gradually they do more and more and more. And then when you're at the end of it, you're like, how the hell did I get to this point? Like, how did I yeah. let someone do this to me? But it is over such such a gradual period of time that you don't even realize that it's happening. Yeah, and like I've always considered myself to be like pretty strong and like I won't put up with, you know, like shitty behaviors essentially. Mm. Like I won't put up with being treated like that. But then especially when you like for me being myself like that and then when I got to the end of it and I was like, you know, I'm a strong woman. How did I ever let anyone treat me like that? But yeah, like you say, it's a really gradual thing and then it's not until you're out where it's like, oh, wow, that was like really messed up that I put up with any any one of those like situations or behaviours. And Yeah, it's, it's hard. And it can be such small things that you don't even pick up on it, you know, and then it just becomes habit and you're like, oh, that's just normal. But yeah, over yeah. time and then it develops into this whole big thing and then by the time you know it, you're like, holy crap, I'm in like in a, this abusive relationship and I didn't even realise you just kind of come to expect that that's all you deserve and that's what's normal, I guess. Yeah, especially like you just get used to it as well. Like, and it's kind of like when you've accepted like him behaving like that. So mm. it's like... It's really hard to see really clearly how bad it is until you kind of like step away from that situation and then you reflect back on it and it's like, wow, that was really bad. And it's also like they wear down your confidence and your self-worth so much that you, yeah, by the end of it, you're just, I guess, a shell of your former self. Is that how you kind of felt? Yeah, I definitely felt like I had changed like a lot about me in terms of like, you know, I do have quite a lot of male friends just because of um, like my job. So I found like I had distanced myself from quite a few friends and like I wasn't telling them certain things and things like that. So it was hard to kind of then like go back to trying to build those relationships back up again after, you know, because they all my like all my friends didn't like him. I think they could, they didn't know what was going on, but I think most of them had like a pretty good idea of it. But because at the time I was kind of like refusing to acknowledge it, there wasn't much that they could do. So it was hard for them as well. Mm. Um, so it wasn't, yeah, like it wasn't just a, like, yes, I have to put up with it and I'm dealing with it. But so was like all my friends and my family. So that was hard as well. Mm, I bet. So Let's get into some of the things that happened. You did mention when we spoke that he had gotten physical with you at one point during your relationship. Can you talk a little bit about that if you feel comfortable? Yeah. So like there were, there were two instances. So the first one really was, um, I think um, like a couple months in, maybe three months in, essentially we were like, there was sort of like a, a bit of a party happening at like my place. So a few people were drinking and things like that. And like I said, he was always, like really, really jealous. And there was a guy there that I had like previously, not dated, but kind of like hung out a few times, like nothing serious. And he just happened to be there because it's like small town, everyone knows each other. Mm. And he just didn't, he just didn't even like the fact that one, he was there um, or two, that I acknowledged that he was there. So like the whole night he was just getting more and more aggravated. He was like threatening uh, my friends and it was getting to a point where, like, I was really concerned that he was going to, like, hit one of my friends. Um, oh. Yeah, like, it was it was really bad. And I was, in my head, I'm like, 
oh my god, like he was huge at the time as well, like a lot bigger than what he is now. And I was like, if he hits one of my friends, like my friends are kind of like average size guys, and Cam certainly was not. And I was like, how that's not going to like end well. We're going to have to call the police. And so I was kind of like starting to get like really freaked out. And we were in the room, in my room, and I was just trying to calm him down. And yeah, he just got physical because I was essentially just like trying to keep him in my room so I can calm him down so he wouldn't go out and like hit any of my friends and he ended up just getting physical with me so then he could like yeah leave the room and then I think he ended up leaving our place that night which was kind of like a good (laughs) good thing. And it was just you guys in the room when that happened? Yeah yeah. And when you say physical like what did he do like just grab you or like punch you like what did he actually do? No, he sort of like grabbed me and then like threw me across the room. So I kind of like, yeah, like hit the wall and then the floor. God, you poor thing. Yeah, it was a lot. And then he left. And then after that, what happened Um, when you had to see him again? Yeah, so... I think it was like, the, it would have been the next day because he was like pretty much living with me at that point. And it was just kind of like, oh, the way he, I just remember like, I can't remember the specifics of our conversations, but I know that the way it was, he made me feel like it was my fault that he was so angry. Typical, typical behavior yeah. from these types of people, isn't it? By that stage, it sounds like he'd worn you down quite a fair bit. You'd said that he got physical with you again after that. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Yep. So this was when I found out that he was cheating on me and I I'd seen text messages on his phone, basically, yeah, from another woman. And I was like, well, I've been cheated on in the past. And that's ironically one thing that I like won't put up with. And I just said to him, like, you need to, you need to leave. You know, I'm not doing this. It's, it was also like a, just a compounded effect because this was a few months afterwards. And it was already like, well, you've been physical with me before. You've progressively gotten worse, like, since then. This isn't a healthy relationship. And now I found out that you're cheating as well. So I'm done with it. And then, of course, that made him really angry. And we ended up in an argument. And he was basically like, well, if you can go through my phone, then I'm going to go through your phone. And I was like, whatever then, good luck, because it was passworded. And then, yeah, he just came over and then essentially just pinned me to the ground and got my phone and then, like, made me unlock it so he could go through it. But, like, it was, that was probably scarier than, like, the first time because he was completely sober and, like, there was nothing there that I could use to, like, try and, like, justify his actions about it, you know? Like, there was no kind of, like, oh, well, he's just drunk Mm. and, like, you know, it was, you're dead sober, you've done something wrong and now you're holding me to the ground, I'm screaming at you to get off of me and you won't let me move, you won't let me leave and, like, just, it was, yeah, that was probably the worst part. I think, of all of it at that point. So then he pretty much, like, once he got into my phone, he went through it and, like, there was nothing for him to see. I just grabbed my car keys, got my phone and then left. And then, like, called one of my friends. And, yeah, it was it was not, it was not good. And then I pretty much went back later on and just said to him, like, you know, like, I still want you gone. Um, just, it was, yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. And I just didn't want him in my house any longer and that's when he was like well I don't leave for work until Tuesday so you're gonna have to put up with me until Tuesday oh my and I was God. like yeah and I was like what am I meant to do 
like this man who's like three times my size mm. is refusing to leave my house and he's already been physical twice now. And so I was just like, fuck, Rado, well, I can't get you to leave. I can't tell my friends because then it's going to end up getting physical with them and I don't want them to get hurt. So I just had to play nice essentially mm. for like the next oh, day or two until he left. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you guys lived alone, I'm guessing, in that house. Um, I had a housemate, but he worked okay, so he like there. away for most of the time. Yeah. So that's the other thing. You're alone there with him, not sure what he's, I guess, capable of doing. That would yeah. Have been terrifying. Yeah, it was not a good time. <laughs> and I guess as well at that point, when you tell these people like that's the end, and then you cut them off, that's kind of when they get really scary because they can't handle not having the control and the power. I guess so he wouldn't have been. Out yeah. So I think that what flipped him out essentially was like the fact that I finally said, I want you to leave, like we're done now. And that's what really set him over the edge. Mm. And just, yeah, it was, it was terrifying. And so you stayed in the house with him then until he went to work a couple of days later or a day yeah. later. What happened in that time? Did Was there another incident or anything? No, I just did like my best not to make him angry, basically. Oh, God. How so, scary. yeah. Yeah. So it was just like, I will just keep my mouth shut and just do what he wanted until he would leave on a Tuesday. And then that's when I was like, okay, all of his stuff is like going. And then, yeah, he can, he's not coming back to the house. Good on you. Good on you. It wouldn't have been easy. <laughs> Cut the yeah, time. It was a lot. <laughs> so then you finally ended things with him. What happened after that? Did he have any um, contact with you? Was he trying to like message you? Was he yeah, doing anything so, else in between that time? That- so he, because like he was originally obviously like from Victoria, but he'd gone back to work and it was still like we had contact, but nothing, nothing like like major kind of thing. It was kind of like just casual stuff, especially like with his stuff still being at my house. You know, he was trying to organise to get that taken back to Victoria and stuff like that. And then it was a few months later when he found out that I had been uh, like asked out by someone else, and then that's when he told me that he was sick, essentially. And it was a good thing that I was moving on because he wasn't going to be around for much longer. Yeah, let's talk about this. So let's talk about this. So what you told me basically is that he told you he had, what, six months to live? Yeah, so he obviously told me like that initially, was that he was sick, he doesn't have much longer to live, and whatever else. And I was just like, at that point, I was like, well, like all you've tried to do since we've been broken up is like take digs and try and like hurt me. So I'm not going to like buy into this until like we have a proper conversation about it. So I... We spoke on the phone about it, and that's when he was basically told me he had um, some kind of blood disease with, yeah, six months left to live. And obviously, like, that was really upsetting to me still because this is still, like, despite all, like, the horrible things he did, it was still like, okay, well, you know, I still cared about him and I cared about, like, his well-being. Hmm. I don't know why, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I was, like, it was a shock, you know, and it was... It was a lot to take in. Like, just, I don't know, just imagine, like, just finding out any ex of yours mm. only has six months to live. Yeah. It, 
And when it's when it's an abusive relationship as well, like a lot of people probably don't understand that it's probably more effective, like ha- has a bigger effect on you because those people will always have some sort of control over you, even subconsciously. Like you yeah. probably live in fear for the rest of your life of those people. So knowing that they've got six months to live, it'd be a weird feeling of, wow, I could almost be free of these feelings or like it, they might, it might make it worse because it's going to haunt you. Like it would be like a really heavy thing to deal with like a mixed bag of emotions you know it is yeah it was um yeah and like I hadn't really like dealt with anyone like my only like person who's ever been close to me that after was like my nan who was a few years prior so I never really like had lost anyone and so like that whole just the, the notion of someone that you did like you know care about is now given a death sentence it's a lot to take in especially like I was you know, like early 20s. So I don't know, I just feel like that whole, yeah, that whole period of time, like I was still like growing as a person and then to have all that to deal with, like just the relationship in general. But then in addition to that, then finding out that, you know, he's got six months left to live. It was, yeah, it was a lot. It was very overwhelming. So he's still alive. Um, What happened? (laughs) What didn't happen? (laughs) Yes, he looks very healthy. Um, so, like, there was a few things where, like, for me, it just didn't add up in my head. So, like, I said to him, well, why are you back at work? You know, you work away from home. If you have six months left to live, what are you doing at work? You know, like, I would be, I'd be quitting my job and I would be spending, like, time with my family and my friends. Getting treatment. And, like, yeah, you know, like, doing all the shit that you want to get done before you die. But... <laughs> He was like, it was some story like, (laughs) yeah, you know, maybe like a boy's trip to Bali or something. Um, Because where was he working? Like he was doing FIFO, wasn't he? Yeah. So he was um, was on Barrow Island. Okay. So he's slaving away on an island. (laughs) Yeah. Like long days, like 12 hour days. Like I think it was like a three in one roster. Mm, Definitely. So like, (laughs) yeah, like a few swings and you're done kind of thing. So you Um, started to question what's going on here. Yeah, so I I did question him about it. Um, I never, like, outright said to him that he was lying to me about it because I don't... Mm. One, I didn't want to think anyone would ever lie about something like that. But two, I didn't want to think that someone I had let into my life and let into my friends and my family's life was, you know, that twisted Mm. to lie about something like that because I felt like if... If it was a lie, um, and I'm not saying it is or it isn't, then, like, what does that say about me for, like, being with him, if that makes mm. sense? Yeah, well, you always would blame, um, blame yourself. And I guess he'd trained, if it isn't an abusive relationship, like you say, he would have trained you to kind of blame yourself for every yeah. little thing, you know? Yeah, so it was, I don't know. But I, um, yeah, so I started questioning it a couple of times, you know, like, what treatment are you on? And he said he was taking, like, uh, the chemo tablets. And he was taking them while he was at work. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I don't feel like being at work, like you're hot and sweaty outside. He was a, like a crane operator or a rigger. I feel like that's not really like that appropriate to be taking chemo medications at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Well, my cousin, she has cancer at the moment and she has to go into treatment. I think it's like a couple of times a week. Well, it was a couple of times a week. And then I think they stretch it out to, you know, like a couple of times a month or whatever. But you do have to go in there to have the treatment, I'm pretty sure. And you have to get, you know, medicines. It's it's pretty full on. Yeah. I feel like it's rough 
like really rough on your body. So I just yeah, don't know how like sick. physically, yeah, you'd be able to even be at work during that time. Let alone like he was saying he was having to get blood transfusion and like obviously doing like constant constant tests. And I don't know, um, I don't know if they would have those types of facilities on Barrow Island. No, they you definitely. Have to go I mean, they have like a, a main got a good island, setup, a main, but... a main hospital. Because I don't yeah, think they so do Barrow like Island's just just a, a gas plant. Yeah, and I don't think they would do. I think they only do like the chemo stuff at certain hospitals. You know. Yeah, like I don't think you can just like walk into a chemist and pick up <laughs> your chemo prescription and be good to go. I don't know. Maybe you can. Maybe we need to look uh, into this. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So was he ever in it hospital? Just makes sense. Um. Not that I've ever seen evidence of, no. Um, I've, like, asked him about it and he kind of, like, if I asked specifically around, like, what hospital he was getting treatments at, he would just dodge it and just not answer. So a lot of things basically weren't adding up. There was a lot of holes in the story. Yeah. And did you ever talk to, like, his friends or family? Did they ever mention anything about him having this cancer? Yeah. So we... At the time, I didn't know, like, hardly any any of his friends, like, just given that we met in a completely different state to, like, where he was from. And, like, a lot of the time that we spent together was in, like, my home state. So while I, like, while we were together, I didn't know his friends. But since then, I actually happen to have quite a lot of mutual friends with him now, just because of, I suppose, the industry that we're in. You know, a lot of these people go to the same jobs and things like that. So I actually do know quite a lot of his friends now all like previous friends, they're no longer in contact. Um, and no one has ever heard that he was ever sick at any point in time. Oh, my um, God. So they didn't even know yeah. about it either? No. So, like, even, <sighs> like, his best friend at the time had, like, completely unaware that what? it was even a thing. Yeah. Because if you did have six months to live, you would think that you would tell your nearest and dearest, right? Especially yeah, your friends especially and your like, best friend saying it's like yeah, a pretty big thing. <laughs> like, yeah, like I, I feel like huge. that would my best friend would be one of the first people to, to know tell. about something like that. Even just for you to lean on, not even for them to say, hey, like I've got six months, but to lean on them for support during that time. Like it's such a big, I don't think there's yeah. anything else bigger that could happen in your life, finding out that you've and got six he months. Was, yeah, he was working with his best friend at the time as well. So, like, they were together on Barrow Island. And it's like, if you're actually going through this, like, chemo process while you're at work Mm, and your best friend is there, yeah, why would they not know? You'd have to tell them. You'd have to tell the work so that they're aware that, like, you're sick and it's, like, an OHS thing, especially in that type of field of work. You would have to tell them that you're on... Especially being so remote. Yeah, and even just that field of work, like, it's quite strenuous. You would have to, for safety reasons, I would imagine, tell them that you're on these heavy medications. That's crazy. The other thing is... Yeah, because you're going to be impaired at work. If he had this blood disease or cancer, whatever it is, A, he's somehow been miraculously cured, but it's weird (laughs) that he didn't address it on the show because that's such a big thing that I feel like producers, if they knew about that, they would have jumped on that and milked it for all it was worth. It's weird that he didn't even address it on the show. But even like as a like, you know, when they talk about like, why haven't you found love? Mm. You just be like, well, you know, like I've had some pretty rough times. You know, I got given six months to live or, you know, like Mm. that's just such a key moment in someone's life that I, yeah, I I don't know why you wouldn't want to share that with like your new partner, especially like Confessions Week, right? That would have been a perfect Mm. time to be talking about it. I don't know. If he, if it's true, maybe he just doesn't feel comfortable 
discussing it, but yeah. The other thing is, he was cured. He did beat it. So it's like something that should be celebrated. He should have gone on there saying, yeah. I had six months to live and I survived it and I beat it. And how amazing is that? But the fact that yeah, it's not like mentioned I went at through all. this. Yeah. yeah like I, I overcome this massive obstacle in my life and like now I'm ready to settle down because I've beaten it. Inspirational, motivational. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'd get like the sappy music and it would be. Yeah, the producers would love it. <laughs> bizarre, bizarre. It sounds like a, um, I don't want to, s- allegedly like another Bell Gibson. Yeah. If, yeah. If what you're saying. <laughs> Although I don't, I don't think he eats overly healthy. So I don't know if he can use that as an as excuse as to how he managed to recover. He says that he had this blood disease. He had six months to live. The story didn't add up. You yeah. can't find anyone else that know, even knew about it at the time. What happened after that? So that went on for well, a little bit. And then like after the six months, yeah. we were just like, hey, you're still here. <laughs> What's going yeah, on? Yeah, so like I would, <laughs> I would share. <laughs> How you doing? What's up? I would, I would check in like every so often. Um, like I definitely like distance myself because, you know, I recognize that he, the type of person that he is just not someone I wanted a huge involvement in my life. You know, I just think he just brings negativity with him. So I didn't have heaps to do with him, but like just from a perspective of like, well, you are dying. Um, and I have, you know, empathy mm-hmm. for that. I would check in every so often and just be like, how's treatment going? Like, how are you going? And then when it started to get to a point of like, okay, well, this really really doesn't make any sense. You got given six months to live and you're still super healthy, still going to work and things like this months later. I just said basically, you know, like I'm glad that you're getting better, but this is where this is where we leave it. You know, I can't keep having this any kind of interaction with you dragging on anymore. Like it's affecting my life still. We just need to like cut ties completely and yeah, so then that's pretty much where we kind of, well, that's where I kind of drew the line in the sand and went, good for you, glad you're not dead, but I'm like moving on with my life. Good on you. Did he ever give you a reason as to why he was still working during that time? Um, His excuse was that he wanted to pay off his house or pay more off of his house, essentially. Right. So I guess it wouldn't have like when he passes away, there wouldn't be a huge debt against his house right okay yeah okay I don't know kind of weird, weird priority <laughs> yeah no I can kind of understand that like someone maybe would keep working but I think the weirdest part is that he just never told anyone about it he obviously didn't have six months to live he's obviously beat it or whatever but it's just weird that he wouldn't address it it's like feels like something that you would celebrate I don't know for me I'd be like having a massive yeah, party and- or like I'd be using it to inspire others look I beat it like it's amazing but just yeah like I it, was given six months and like I'm still here I'm healthy yeah but it's also like that's something that's so heavy to deal with I just don't understand why anyone would want to go through it alone exactly. either so like, do you yeah. think that he kind because if you were the only person that kind of knew about it do you think he was doing that because you were also in contact with him you said during those couple of months do you think he was doing that to keep you in his life because you'd cut him out as keep you there I don't know yeah I definitely think that there's certain things that he had said like post breakup that were used like against me essentially in terms of like to keep that control and to kind of just like keep up like games and things like that I think by having by being sick and me knowing about it you know I like I said I did you know I 
care about his well-being. So I did genuinely want to know that he was okay. And I think he knew that. And it was just the way then to keep maintaining contact. And he keeps all the control then still, even though, you know, we've been broken up for over six months now, but he still has this power over me where he can say certain things and get a reaction that he wants out of it. You can't really go off at someone when they've said they've got six months to leave. You kind of have that a bit of sympathy and, you know. Yeah, and like when he initially told me, he was like used it as an excuse for his behaviour. Like one of the things he said to me was something like, you know, um, it'll make sense about why I was acting the way I was acting and things like that. So it's kind of like used as a crutch almost to excuse some of his behavior. And I just don't think that one, like if you're dying of illness or any any reason, I just don't think there's any excuse no. to be physical with someone else, regardless no. of your own health. And then that's just putting more blame back on you. Like this was your fault. Like, and now you're angry at me and I've got a genuine excuse for why I was physical with you. Yeah. Yeah, Like you've, you've made me angry and then my sickness has like exacerbated that. So, you know, like it was always my fault. Victim blaming, I guess. Yeah. So you cut off contact then. What happened after that? So it was kind of, this would have been around the time, like the sort of over six months later where I yeah finally like drew the line in the sand and was like I'm I'm done kind of thing essentially we kind of ended up in a, a bit of an argument and then I was told he was uh, been admitted into hospital and yeah I won't won't go into like the details of why he was admitted or anything like that but like that was Super upsetting to me because I felt like, you know, he and I had an argument um, and I just felt like there was potentially something that I had done that contributed, I suppose, to him ending up unwell again. And so he was back in Victoria when like this had happened. So I rang pretty much every hospital in like the area that he was from. So like where he's from is like quite small. So that like, there wasn't very many hospitals to call there, so that was a, a short and quick exercise. And then I thought, oh, you know what, like, to be safe, I'll call all the major hospitals in Melbourne in case he's in, in one of those. Like, this was, like, my entire day. So I, like, had to take – I took the day off work. I think I was off work from this incident for, like, two weeks because it really, really rattled me. And, yeah, so I spoke to all the hospitals. I don't know how many I called. I, it was hours, mm. essentially, of ringing around to all these hospitals to find out whether he – just if he was a patient, like if he had been admitted or not, and he wasn't a patient at any hospital um, that I could find. Wow. Yeah. And I ended up, I suppose, finding out that this, apparently he was at like a certain hospital for, you know, most of his stay. And then when he had to go and get tests or, or whatever, they would take him to a different hospital and then he would go back to the original one and sort of like stay there. But again, both of those two hospitals told me that he, was, he wasn't a patient. So it was similar to like what had happened previously in the way of I'm not going to like assume Mm. or I'm not going to like say that, you know, this isn't true, but a lot of the things just don't match up with the information that I'm getting about the situation. So it's very, very hard to believe at that point, especially given our history and knowing what he's like and knowing that he's not the most honest person. Yeah, that was my final, like, this is seriously affecting, Mm. like, my mental health now and I have to take care of me. So that was, I 
yeah, I just couldn't. That was my final, like, this is it. I don't want anything else to do with you ever again. Just, like, regardless of your health mm. or anything that's going on, like, I can't do it anymore. Because what it's like every six months he's in hospital. Yeah, it just felt like every drag, time keeping that... You there, it's like a way of control of making yeah. sure you don't leave him. It's like pulling you back in and saying, oh, well, you've got to stick around now because I'm sick. Yeah, like I was like, you know, I, I'm done here. I'm leaving. I'm cutting communication off. Something would happen and then it would be enough to just keep me in contact mm. with him. And I was like, well, this has been repetitive now and we, there's a bit of a pattern happening and I just can't do it anymore. And even if you're not physically there, it's like still emotionally you're still tied to him or still he still knows that he's got you there. Yeah, like those those two weeks like that I had off work from like the second hospital like the hospital stay, they were probably like two of the worst weeks of my life. They were horrendous. I like wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating, I couldn't go to work. Like it was mm. it was a lot. Poor thing. Yeah, I don't wish that on anyone. Did you ever ask him like I know, I would have been like, just show me some proof that you're in hospital or, you know, like, did he ever, did you ever ask for proof or did he ever show you like, look, I am here? Yeah. So about maybe 10, 10 days or so in, I, I did like sort of like query him and I was like, look, I've spoken to all these hospitals and they're saying that you're not a patient and you're telling me that right now that you are a patient and you're at the hospital, like at this moment that we're speaking. So just send me a photo of your wristband and like that will, that'll be it, right? Like that, there's no way that, I mean, I don't think he's that good at Photoshop. He could mm-hmm. on the spot put a wristband on, but he basically just turned it around and made me feel guilty just for asking and kind of just dodged it. And it like turned into like a debate. And I was like, well, like understand from my perspective, Cam, like, all these things have happened and a lot of your stories don't make any sense. And this argument can be over in a matter of seconds if you just take a photo of the wristband and send it to me. And he just, he refused. He just wouldn't. And I think that for me was all I needed. The proof, yeah. Yeah. Because how hard, it's not hard just to be like, yeah, here's a photo, like whatever. Yeah, like I understand like, you know, if, if you're in hospital and like, you know, it was quite uh, a serious thing. You know, I understand, like, being upset if someone questions you about it. But at the same time, like, you know, he bangs on on the show about wanting to be understood from his perspective. And I was just purely trying to get him to see it from my view. And he just couldn't. And I get Mm. why it would be frustrating for him to be asked if it was true. You know, someone asking you, like, oh, just, like, prove to me that you are in hospital. I get why that would be, you know, potentially upsetting to him. But... Given our history, I felt like it was a fair question to be asking. Mm. And what you'd been through and everything. And it's also an easy yeah. fix. Like if someone questioned me, I'd be like, shut up, here it is. Like it's easily put to bed, you know. Yeah, I would just be like, like then, yeah. They would feel even worse for asking. They would feel worse if you should yeah, have proof. Then so. you, yeah, then you would just be like, well, be like, you're a piece of shit for yeah. not believing me. <laughs> you heartless, <laughs> heartless yeah. person. Oh, God. So so then you finally cut the tie. Did you have any contact with him after that? Did you see him? Like, did anything else happen from that day on? Was that the end? Only sporadically. I think maybe 12 months later, found out that I was dating, like, a mutual friend kind of thing. And he was angry about that. So it's kind of just been, like, once off here and there. But I haven't spoken to him now in, 
quite some time. I did run into him like really randomly in Queensland. Uh, we were on a flight from Brisbane to Melbourne. And like I never expected to ever see Cam ever again. You know, he lives in Victoria. I live in a different state. I work in different states, all those kinds of things. It was just like, realistically, what are the chances of ever seeing this man again? Mm. And we end up on the same flight. Oh, my God. Yeah. The universe testing you. It's like (laughs) the universe is just making sure that it's like you are finally leaving him behind, giving him one final test. It's like, oh, now that you thought you were safe and you wouldn't see him again, we're just going to throw this banner in. Testing you. Um, Yeah, so I was sitting pretty much like uh, the front of the plane and I saw him get on. And I know I sort of briefly mentioned a psychologist earlier, but I was diagnosed with PTSD basically from all the stuff that had happened a few years ago. and With him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, so seeing him was, it sent me into like a panic attack. Um, yeah, and they had, <laughs> looking back, it's, I can laugh about it because it's just like so like obscene what I did. But at the time, I was just completely out of my head and I just didn't really know what was going on and I was just reacting rather than, like, any real rational thought. They had, like, closed the plane door, and I was basically, like, getting up to get off. Oh, my God. And, yeah, like, because I was just, like, flipping out. And the air hostess, like, I was in tears. Mm. I was really upset, and I was just, like, trying to get my staff to be, like, I'm getting off the plane. I can't sit on this flight with him, you know, for two hours, whatever the hell the flight is. And the air hostess was, you know, like, trying to calm me down, and she was like, oh, like, is it, you know are you upset because you're like leaving family behind? And I was like, no, like my, my ex is on here and he was abusive. And she was like, okay, basically like she was like, well, the doors, <laughs> the doors are shut. Um, you can't get off the plane. <laughs> and she was like, uh, what's his name? What does he look like? So I gave her his name, um, what he was wearing. And then she was like, <laughs> bless her. She was like, I'll get you a glass of wine. I was like, okay. <laughs> wine so fixes she, everything. <laughs> Yeah, so she went and got me a glass of wine and then uh, must have checked, like, the manifest or something. And she came back and she was like, okay, like, it is him, but, like, you know, I know where he's sitting and I'll make sure that you two uh, stay separated the whole flight. And I was like, is he close? Like, you know, where's his seat? Because I, I just wanted to know where he was on the plane. Get your and she was like, I'm not going to, yeah. And she was like, I'm not going to tell you where he is because it'll freak you out more. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, fuck, there's probably that right behind me. <laughs> He's next like, to me. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, I can't turn around because I don't want to fucking look at him. So the whole time, like, she kept coming back and, like, ch- like checking. I mean, she, I am so grateful for her. She was fantastic throughout the whole flight. Yeah, towards the end of the flight, she came and sat with me and was like, okay, well, we have two options that we can go with when it comes to disembarking. She was like, I can sit next to you, wait till the entire flight is off, and then I'll go with you to get your bag and then leave because um, she was like overnighting in Melbourne. And she's like, or oh, we can get you off first and I'll walk with you the whole way and like stay with you, same thing. And I was like, I don't want to be sitting on the plane and see him go past again, so I'd prefer to get off first. So essentially, escorted off. Yeah, I was escorted off. VIP, just just after a few red lines and crying hysterically. It would have looked really bizarre for everyone else. So I get off the plane and it was actually like four. I think it was about four, like um, Virgin, like staff members, whether they were flight attendants or whoever, I'm not too sure. And they all walked with me 
to go and get my bag and then walked me to a taxi to make sure, I guess, that we didn't cross paths at all the entire time. That's um, amazing. And then, yeah, and An- Annika is her name. She gave me her number. I was like, text me as soon as mm-hmm. like you get back to your hotel. Like she was so sweet. Yeah, virgin service. Shout out. out. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was amazing. Oh, God. So, yeah, that would have been oh, – because you said before that you're still having panic attacks and tri- yeah. like flashbacks from being triggered by him. So yeah, seeing so him I'd in the still, flesh. Yeah, see, yeah, seeing him, especially when, like, you're just not expecting it. Like, mm, yeah, it was it just – yeah, it really threw me off. And it's just hard, I suppose, like with having PTSD and going through certain things where you do get triggered and, like, knowing – that I, you can't think rationally and you can't think logically, like realistically, was he going to kill me in the middle of an airport? No. But at the time, like I, I just, you can't see anything. You can't make sense of it. So it's really hard. I know like my partner now, he knows bits and pieces of it, but like I feel bad sometimes for like people when I've dated them because it is a lot if like I do get triggered by something and it can be something like really small, like if someone touches my shoulder a certain way that can sort of like set me off because it freaks them, like those people are because they don't know what they've done. Mm. And so like it's just that's been hard to deal with like post all of it. That's probably the worst of it is that like years on, I still have issues because of it. Because yeah, this and was now, what, four years yeah. ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're still having PTSD, what, daily? Or is it just situational? Like, um... Yeah, it'd be situational now. So it's not like a few years ago, like when I got diagnosed, it was a lot more frequent. But that was also because I wasn't speaking about it. Like my friends still didn't know the extent of what went on and things like that. And then in therapy, she was kind of like, well, by not telling your story, that person still holds that power over you. Silencing you um, almost. Yeah, so... Like that helped a lot, like talking about it, I think, and kind of like really acknowledging what had happened has helped a lot. I don't know if I'll like ever go back to like how I was before. Mm. Um, but yeah, I still get, um, depending on certain things that are happening, I might, yeah, get triggered or mm. um, like nightmares because I've seen him on TV. Mm. It's bringing it all back. But it is, it is better to talk about it because a lot of time with that stuff, it is just stuff that you're building up in your head and hypothesizing the worst thing that's going to happen because of the fear, I yeah. guess, that they've instilled in you. So I guess yeah, talking so about it helps to, to rationalize it and, you know, like speaking it verbally puts things into perspective, I guess. And yeah, for sure. And like... To- tell you like look that's probably not going to happen and yeah and like one of the things I was like like hesitant about coming on um to talk about this was just the fear of Mm. um him hearing it um him like knowing obviously that it's me talking about it um and the repercussions from him for speaking about it that is still quite scary to me and has given me a lot of anxiety over the last like week or so but um I think I'd rather people know my or hear my story and understand a bit more about like who he really is. And I think like you said, like uh, it takes like talking about it to understand like the fear that I have about it. Mm. It's probably not a rational fear. Um, but it's still fear. Yeah. Yeah. It very much is. 
And I think as well, I think it is good, A, that you talk about it and get it off your chest and you're not scared to speak about it because you it's your experience and you should be able to talk about your experience. But I also feel like it's taking back the power a little bit as well. Like, well, no, I'm not scared of you anymore. And no, I'm not going to let you have this power over me and hold this dark cloud of controlling me. Yeah, I think when it, this like comes out, like when you um, put the podcast up or whatnot, I think that'll be quite liberating to finally just mm, be like, well, totally. despite everything that you've done to me, like you don't have this control over my voice anymore. And I can say and talk about my experiences and not be scared of you. Yeah, I think it'll be really weird when it does come out. But And you're also helping other people because obviously like I reached out to you. So, you know, you're keeping your name anonymous. You're not, you're yeah. clearly not doing this for <laughs> any type of fame or clout whatsoever. But A, I do think that other women need to be warned about him and what he's capable of and through your experience, have a bit of a warning about what he's done to others. And also, I guess, inspire other people that in similar situations that this isn't normal behavior that we should put up with, you know? Yeah, I think like ideally it'll be nice if people hear this and then maybe they recognize a few things like, yeah, in their situation and they can understand that like, no, it never starts off bad. They do start off really charismatic and really charming and that's how they kind of get you. And then it's a gradual thing for you to end up in a really bad position. But at the same time, it's also important for me that like, I think he just thinks that because he's scared it, and I know that it's not just me. Like, I'm not, I won't be the only one that he has um, not treated very well. But I think he thinks that he has still got any sort of control over us that we won't speak about it. Yeah. And I think it's just important that, you know, people understand what he can really be like when cameras are off. Well, that's what the control thing, it's like an imaginary thing that he feels like he's got it over you the less that you push back. So I feel like speaking out, it's just like saying, no, like, that's it. Like, I'm not going to be controlled by you. You don't own me. You don't, I'm not scared of you kind of thing. So it really is just taking yeah. back your own power as well. So yeah, it's only so been proud. like a long, a long time to get here. <laughs> well, this, yeah, well, this is what I was going to say. This is like, I feel like for you, the final step of your journey of overcoming this and recovering from it, because it's really is the ultimate power move you wouldn't have been able to do this previously you know but you've done xyz steps to lead up to this and now you're so strong and so you've come such a long way I guess that now you are able to actually do something like this which is huge to actually publicly speak out about someone who you're petrified of like it's such a big thing so you should be so proud yeah I think like 12 months like two years ago there's no way that I would be able to like publicly talk about even just talk about it um like comfortably with friends yeah I would have struggled. So I'm glad that I'm certainly at the point now where I can talk about it and do it publicly as well. But I mm. certainly still have some some area to grow there <laughs> as well. I think it'll feel like a big weight off your shoulder. It's kind of just letting go of the last <laughs> remaining shackles. Yeah. I'll be glad to see the end of him on that show though. <laughs> I, think about, I think we've got about one more week, just this week to get through. And then he's, <laughs> Thank God. he's gone. Do you think that there's any chance that he's changed since you dated him? Have you heard of this happening to anyone else that he dated after you? Um, I don't know specific, but I know that um, another ex after me had dealt with, I think, like aggressive behaviour and uh, yeah, just like just a bit of like just not okay stuff. I don't know the specifics about it. Just through friends of friends, they've kind of mentioned that like I might have had like a really intense 
version of what they've experienced, mm. but they've also had like a bit of craziness with dealing with care. To some degree. Yeah, yeah. I actually received a message from someone um, they wanted to stay anonymous to. I kind of mentioned it on the last episode, but I couldn't really read it out because a lot of the stuff, because it wasn't coming from them directly and they didn't want to come on and speak about it. Um, it was yeah. too defamatory to, to kind of mention. But, yeah, it does sound like this wasn't a one-off situation. Yeah, and I think that, like, his ability to, like, prolong it and keep that control makes me think that I don't think I was like the first one for him to I don't think you get that good at manipulating people so true. and I don't think that it would have stopped or ended with me either um, which is probably like an even scarier thought so it is like those types of characters narcissistic I guess manipulative oh yeah definitely narcissistic controlling men yeah. they do I guess would over time learn those different tactics that they know can control women like it's not something that you just wake up yeah. and you're like okay I know how to do this you would have to learn yeah it's not just like born with it yeah <laughs> yeah and how he's appearing on the show I mean he's not getting the best edit but a lot of the contestants have said that he is getting away with a lot of stuff. Do you think that his portrayal on the show is accurate with your experience? Like, I mean, he is kind of gaslighting Samantha a lot. He's telling her that he still wants to be with her and he's obviously yeah. pursuing things with someone else. Do you think um, it's accurate or do you think he's a lot worse? I definitely think he's a lot worse. Yeah. Um, but I think he's also, like, very calculated. Like, he would be watching what he doesn't say, you know. Like, I think he'd be very cautious of letting a lot of, like, his normal kind of behaviours and characteristics mm. fly. But I think we see, like, glimpses of it, you know, like when he's arguing with Sam and he's just trying to, like, shut her down or, like, you know, he doesn't hear her perspective. And things like that. I think there's you can see hints of what he's really like, mm, um, like but I don't think yeah, just like small little bits of it. And then like the whole, I think he's very careful with his words in terms of like you know saying that he wants to like keep trying and things, or you know whatever he's saying to Samantha and then saying to Coco as well. I think he's very cautious in terms of like. I don't think he'd ever outright say, oh, you know, like I'm not necessarily with Samantha anymore and I want to be with Coco kind of thing. I think he's very wordy and clever about the way he says it so it can't be held against him, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, he's smart, calculated. Yeah, yeah, like very careful of which way he constructs the sentence. So he's cheat. he cheats on Samantha on the show. He's cheated yeah. on you. I got another message from someone else saying that he cheated on another partner as well. So I guess this <laughs> cheating storyline is not not a new storyline for Cam. That made me so angry to watch it. Like that was probably that conversation where he was like, I don't understand why people cheat. Was oh, when he, the most he was angry. loyal. When he's like, I'm a really loyal yeah. guy. So that's obviously not true. <laughs> yeah, that like I saw red over that. I had like a few um, friends of mine watching the show, like texting me being like, are you watching this? Like, can you believe he's actually saying this? And I was like, it's infuriating because it's exactly what he's like. Not an accurate portrayal, I guess, or not an accurate statement. Yeah. So he's fooled yeah, everyone. Yeah, no, it was a, just flat out lying. Well, I don't know why he would go on this show knowing the part. Like, if people have such sketchy past, I don't understand why they would go on national TV. And I don't know yeah, why I they don't... don't do background checks. 
Yeah, well, that was my first thought was, did they not do a background check or do the producers just not care? Like, do they just think like, oh, he's going to get us ratings. Like, let's put a crazy person on TV. I actually Um, think the second, because I actually think that sometimes they do know that these people have skeletons and I think it's a bonus for them because they know that it will come out and that it's even more publicity and scandal and ratings and people are like tuning in to see, you know, who this person is. So it's scary. Which is, yeah, like, I don't know. It's frustrating to watch that because like, you look at like Samantha and she seems like she's such a beautiful person and she's now going to put up like with him but then there's also people like me at home and these other girls that he's done things like cheated on and things like that where like we now have to sit here and watch it purely because the producers like want to get ratings for our entertainment <laughs> yeah that's so it's true twisted, but I mean that. So all of I'm watching it. So (laughs) So you're sitting there watching it, I guess. You don't really have a choice. I mean, you do have a choice, but like you said before, it's easier for you to watch it than not watch it because I guess you want to – Yeah. Peace of mind and also you want to find out what, yeah, what he's doing and what he's not doing and – have some yeah, I think closure. The, the not knowing would yeah. be worse. Yeah, and also yeah. then if you don't watch it, you're always going to be wondering, hmm, I wonder what he was like on that show. Like you almost can't help yourself. Then there's probably you and there's probably other people who are sitting there. It's, it's a triggering ordeal. Even with yeah. contestants who have, say, cheated on their partner before the show, they've said that it's quite triggering because then they've got to relive all of their emotions and see this person that they're actively trying to avoid on TV, yeah. in the media. Every time they go on a website, their face is there. Like I would, I couldn't deal. Yeah, like it's... It's like hard enough, like seeing an ex, right? But then when it's like Every someone time. who like put you put you through hell, and then it's like, oh great, now I have to tune in and see him every night at seven thirty. <laughs> And I, I don't think it's even that. I think it's even if you weren't watching the show, you'd be seeing his face and name all over the media. You, the, the articles would be popping up. You couldn't avoid it. Yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah, all over Facebook and Instagram, not to mention, like, all my friends text yeah. me as they're watching the show. God, your group chat would be wow. lit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have um? Do you have like a word of warning for like Coco and Samantha or anyone I guess watching who's thinking of dating? Oh, Cam, I would just say don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> it's not worth it. The pros certainly do not outweigh the cons. It sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> There's other men out there. Like, <laughs> don't suffer with someone like Cam. I'm glad that you have found someone now and that you've got a really supportive partner. Um, and you're yeah, he's that been great. Again, and yeah, it sounds like he's really supportive of you. So I'm so happy. There is good guys out there. There is, yes, definitely. And I feel bad for him, like having to watch the show as well, because like he didn't, like he doesn't even like he didn't know what math was until um, like this season, and he's watched. Definitely like a few it. episodes now. Yeah. So I feel bad that he has to now watch it and he's got to deal with something that, like, is from my past, which, like, that must be painful for him mm. as well. And seeing so I feel so bad for him. And yeah. Well, I'm just glad you've got some support oh. there and you've got people around you that sound like they care about you and that they're there for you. So he didn't manage to get rid of all my friends. So <laughs> it's good. good. And yeah, I just want to say again, like you should be so proud for sharing your story. Like, thank you for sharing your story with us because I know it's not easy. Thank you for having me. And yeah, thank you for opening up and sharing and being brave enough to yeah share your story and hopefully help other people in similar situations not stay, I guess, as long as you did and not have to go through what you went through because it doesn't sound like it was very good at all. Yeah, I was talking to like a friend of mine about it last week. 
and his missus had actually like been through an abusive relationship as well. And he was like, you know, she said, like, thanks for speaking about it. Mm. And then I was like, okay, I definitely have to do it. Because <laughs> you don't know how many other people you're going to help. And also, like, fuck you, I'm not going to be silenced by you anymore. Like, I'm not scared of you. It really, I think yeah, it really will be like closing like, a chapter. Because it is yeah. one thing to speak about it and to cut him off. But it's then you're literally, like, asserting your power now, saying, like. Just taking it all back. Yeah. And it's, like, a really big power move saying, no, like, look, I'm not scared of you. Because it takes a strong person to, to speak publicly, I guess, about something so full on. So the fact that you yeah. are. Yeah, I don't think anyone should be treated the way that I was treated. And I hope that if anybody has sort of like, you know, seen some similarities in my story to what's happening in their relationships, that they can kind of use that as a bit of a like, oh, maybe I should reassess my position here. Yeah. Do you have advice for them? Like, what would you say to them? Like, just leave before it gets to that point? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I think like there was some things where like, you know, your gut feeling says it's off and I ignored it. And I just think it's like deep in your gut, like you just feel like something's really not right, then, you know, that's your time that you should be leaving because we're normally, I don't know, I feel like women, we've got a really good sixth sense for that kind of stuff and we don't listen to it mm. as much as what we should. We block it out. We Yeah, we just it. try and like be logical and be like, no, that can't be happening. And I guess a lot of the time we've been told, don't be so emotional. And yes, we do try yeah. to suppress, suppress those gut emotion feelings. Yeah, and you're just trying to like reason with yourself. But like, yeah, if you're really feeling like something isn't right, then there's a good chance it's not. And it's International Women's Day today. So it's a good time it to is. be having this chat. It's very timely. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate you for trusting me with your story and yeah, opening up and helping others. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for thank you. um thank you for listening to it. Morning. Oh my god. Okay, let let's focus. That's all the tea I've got for you guys today. Wow. No words. For the first time ever, I'm truly speechless. That was a lot. What a heartbreaking story, but also what a strong woman for being brave enough to speak up and stand up and share her story with others, all in the hope that someone else in a similar situation hears it and doesn't have to go through what she went through. I know we touched on quite a few serious issues and sensitive subjects during this episode, but I do think that they are very important conversations we need to be having and behavior that definitely needs to be called out. Again, this was her experience and all claims made during the episode are allegations. If you or anyone you know is struggling and needs help, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Guys, you know the drill. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review. Five stars only, of course. Please share it on social media. Share it with your friends. That would be a big, big help. If you want daily gossip updates, make sure you're following me on Instagram at sodramaticpodcast underscore. If you want sassy banter during Married at First Sight, follow me on Twitter at sodramaticpod. And if you want to join our episode chat thread with all of the sassy banter and lols during the show, join the Facebook group, So Dramatic Podcast Community with a T-E-A on the end. And for everything else, including the merch, head to sodramaticmedia.com. I will leave a link for that in the show notes. We're having a 40% off sale at the moment to celebrate reaching 1 million downloads. Don't forget to use the code 1 million at checkout. And Drama Army, please, please, please keep sending in your tips and receipts. It is such a big help. Teamwork is the dream work. Thank you for listening to another episode of So Dramatic. I will be back in your ears on Friday with our normal juicy jam-packed episode. I cannot wait for that. It is another big episode. Goodbye, good riddance, and good luck. Ciao for now. 
kind regards. <laughs> Oh my god, oh my god. So dramatic with Megan Pistetto.